Welcome to Many Messages. I'm Brother James. This is Pentecost. So before we get started today, I'd like to give a shout out to a couple of my friends who are scheduled to be having a baby via C-section today, June 1st, 2020. Philip Morton and Tyler Morton are scheduled to be welcoming Briley K. Morton into the world today. I'm so excited for them. Look, I love you guys. I know you're going to make great parents. Good luck in this venture. God has blessed you with a baby girl who I know is going to be absolutely beautiful and is just going to ch completely change your life. And I look forward to seeing how y'all handle this adventure. Congratulations. Welcome to the world. Briley K. Morton, June 1st, 2020. Now let's get started with the show. So before we get to the uh, scripture today, I want to give you a little bit of backstory of what's going on because we're coming out of Acts 2. And today, June the 1st, is actually 50 days since Easter. So we're going into Pentecost, which is 7 weeks plus 1 day, which is 50 days. And what we see is Jesus has been resurrected. He is appeared several times to the disciples, to the apostles, to various people all over uh, all over the area, especially in Capernaum and in different places around uh, the Sea of Galilee. And here we are 10 days after Jesus' final ascension, and everybody's standing there looking at the sky going, uh, is he coming back? And the angel comes down and says, yeah, he's coming back, just not right now. So, you know, get about what he told you to do. And so they all go to Jerusalem. They're hiding out in this room, and they know Pentecost is coming. So they head down to the temple for the Pentecost celebration. And while they're sitting in this room, waiting for the celebration to start, here it is, 10 days later after Jesus has made his final ascension. So we're looking 50 days after the resurrection. The, the, the Spirit literally comes down and touches uh, the disciples. And the scripture for that is, When the day of Pentecost, this is Acts 2, starting in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all gathered in one place. Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. And tongues like flames of fire that were divided appeared to them and rested on each of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different languages, as the Spirit gave them ability for speech. There were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. And they were astounded and amazed, saying, Look, who aren't the look, aren't all these who are speaking Galatians? 
How is it that each of us can hear in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those who lived in Mesopotamia, in Judea, in Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking the magnificent acts of God in our own languages. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, What could this be? But some sneered and said they're full of new wine. So what we see is this, this miracle is talked about constantly. And I want to go past that because I'm afraid that we all have a tendency to focus too much on the miracle and not a lot on the miracle worker. And we need to find a way to move past that. We need to find a way to focus on the miracle worker. I don't know how many times people miss Jesus because they're too busy looking at the miracles. They, they miss the one who has done it. And I hear sermons all the time, like every year, about the, the speaking in tongues and about the abilities that was given to the uh, apostles at this point. So we're going to move past that. And what we're going to get to is Peter's answer to this. And what I love about Peter's answer is it's so simple once you look at it and really break it down. And so we're going to continue on in verse 14. And in Acts 2, 14, it starts off, But Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and proclaimed to them, Men of Judah and all you residents of Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and pay attention to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only nine in the morning. On the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all humanity. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. I will even pour out my spirit on my male and female slaves in those days, and they will prophesy. I will display wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and remarkable day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So let's stop right there. Peter quotes Joel to explain about what just happened. And he says, look, this is part of what's coming. This is part of what was promised to us these many years ago that in these days that are going to come, the Messiah has already come, and he's already ascended to the right hand of God. So, so Peter's saying, look, in these days that were to come, in the last days, more and more prophets will arise. More and more people will see visions. More and more people will dream dreams. And things like this are going to happen. It's only 9 in the morning. You're calling us drunk? Are you out of your mind? No, we're not drunk. 
We are a part of the promise of God that come out of the prophet Joel. And so, you know, he he goes on after that and he starts. He's like, you know, let's let's kill what your suspicions are. But then right here in verse 22, he gets into, let me tell you why we're here and the real message that we need to be telling you because you're worried about whether or not we're drunk trying to figure out why you can understand us. Let me tell you why you can understand us. And so, starting in verse 22, Peter continues speaking. It says, Men of Israel, listen to these words. This Jesus the Nazarene was a man pointed out to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him, just as you know your, you yourselves know. Though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. God raised him up, ending the pains of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says of him, I saw the Lord ever before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced, Moreover, my flesh will rest in hope because you will not leave me in Hades or allow your Holy One to see decay. You have revealed the path of life to me. You will fill me with gladness in your presence. So Peter starts quoting the Psalms. I mean, he, he jumps right into Psalm 16 here. And he's saying, you know, this is Jesus. This is the one who come and told us about the love and mercy of God, and you allowed him to be nailed on a cross and buried, but he come back. Death did not hold him. He defeated death. It is because of him that you're all gathered here trying to figure out what's going on with us. And so Peter continues, and he turns back and starts addressing the people again. He says, Brothers, and this is verse 29, he says, Brothers, I can confidently speak to you about the patriarch David. He is both dead and buried, and in, in his tomb is with us to this day. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn an oath to him to seat one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing this in advance, he spoke concerning the resurrection of the Messiah. He was not left in Hades, and his flesh did not experience decay. So he goes back and he quotes Psalms 16, uh, 10 right here. He, he says, David spoke about the Messiah and said he was not left in Hades and his flesh did not experience decay. And so Peter continues. He says, God has resurrected this Jesus. We are all witnesses of this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father, the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you see, both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended to the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord declared to my Lord, set at my right hand until I make your enemies a foot, your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. I mean, Peter just jumps right into, like, some old-school 
southern preaching here and it's just telling folks look y'all come here talking about we talking funny and we y'all can understand us but we're galatians and i'm gonna tell you why and i'm gonna tell you who gave us that authority and who gave us that power because he's not in the grave he is sitting at the right hand of god as prophesied by king david who is in the grave and knew he would be in the grave and who addressed the messiah as lord And, you know, the scriptures continue on from there. Verse 37 says, When they heard this, they came under deep conviction and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what must we do? Y'all, this is where it gets great. And this is where the whole message that Peter was giving them comes to a culmination. And it's the message that we all have to be sharing as Christians. And, and no matter what conversation we're in, this is where it needs to lead and this is where peter turned that conversation and made it lead peter starts off in verse 38 he says repent peter said to them and be baptized each of you in the name of jesus christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the holy spirit for the promise is free for you and for your children and for all who are far off as many as the lord our god will call and with many other words he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So Peter starts off, he's going to repent. And a lot of us, I think, misconstrue what that word means. We think that repent means to ask forgiveness. No, asking forgiveness is a part of repentance. Repent actually comes from a word that means to turn around and walk away. It even has some implications of burning what was there, destroying what was there so that you cannot return back to it. So it's, it's turning away from your sin, destroying that sin, and walking away, not looking back. That's where salvation lies. It's true repentance where you completely walk away from that, but you can't do that on your own. You have to have the power of Jesus Christ to do that. And so you do what's next so that you have the power to sustain that repentance. And that's giving yourself completely over to Christ. Salvation has already occurred because you made that choice to turn and walk away. And that's where you start working towards sanctification. And the first act of sanctification is establishing that you have given yourself over to Christ. And that's where he says, and be baptized, each of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. He's saying because you have been forgiven, get baptized. This will begin your sanctification process. And that's when the Holy Spirit will actually descend upon you and give you your calling in Christ. Is when you give that act of obedience that's given your entire self over. And so I think that that's a very important, uh, very important point that we really need to understand is that we have to repent. We have to turn away from our sin by asking forgiveness for those sins through Jesus Christ who died for us on the cross. That's the start of it. 
And it's at that very moment that we acknowledge that He came for us to take away our sins, that He begins in us the process of repentance, which is to turn away from our sins, burn that bridge so that we can't go back, and march in the direction that He has pointed to us. And once we start that, then we can begin sanctification. We can begin working toward that process that is fulfillment of the calling that he has placed upon us. And the first act of sanctification is the first act of obedience, which should be to be baptized. Now, me personally, I'll go ahead and tell you, it was almost 17 years before I got baptized after being saved. And that's because I was running from full submission. But I can tell you also, the day I got baptized is the day I baptized my daughter. And I knew then that this is what God had called me to do. I mean, it was just a complete enlightenment. When I come up from that water, it was complete enlightenment that God had a calling. And that even though I didn't have full clarity of what that calling was going to be, I knew I had to work toward it. And I knew I had to start somewhere. And so I began preaching here and there at different churches and doing different things. I started writing. And this eventually led to me doing these podcasts. I still write. And if given the chance, I'll still preach at churches. But I really think that part of my calling is just to reach as many people through any medium possible. And so I write, I do podcasts, I preach if I can. Y'all, I'm amateur photographer. I, I do all sorts of things. And the biggest thing is I just talk to people. And I know I'm fulfilling God's promise when I do that. Uh, I'm fulfilling the calling that Christ has given to me when I do that. So, you know, this isn't the end of the story here that, well, Peter, uh, Peter preached this great story and that's all we hear. No. So I'm going to go ahead and finish out this chapter. Starting in verse 41, it says, So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day 3,000 people were added to them. That means that because of his answering their question and segueing it into a salvation message, 3,000 people gave their life to Christ and became disciples. They didn't give their life to Christ and go sit on a pew. They were added to them, which means they were added to the disciples. That's the part I think a lot of the church misses. We're about the numbers. Let's see how many people we can get to give their life to Christ, and then we point them to a pew and go, okay, so go sit over there. We don't want to hear nothing else from you. You gave us our numbers. That's the wrong attitude. People give their life to Christ. They need to be added to the disciples and begin growing. That means, you know, a tree grows when the branches spread. If a branch starts off from another branch and it just gets cut off and it's dead, it's a useless branch. Branches need to spread out and blossom and gain more more real estate together more light and strengthen the tree we're a part of the tree we are a branch on the tree and we need to offshoot onto other branches new branches 
that need to go out and gather more light to strengthen the tree. Continuing on, though, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate food. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. And so, you know, a lot of us talk about not forsaking the assembly, but we don't think about the every day. We always just worry about the Sunday. The apostles were meeting every day at the temple complex, going house to house, eating, carrying on, having a good time. I think that's something that we've missed. I think that's somewhere we got to get back to. And we've had a lot of time in everything that's going on right now. This is June 1st, 2020. And we've had a lot of time in everything that's going on to think about and consider the way we've been doing church and y'all I think we've realized that there's more than one way to do church and spreading the gospel should be every day and that's really what the message is about today is our message and everything we do always has to lead to the offer of salvation the encouragement to repent and believe. Everything we do, everything we talk about should always ha end in a message of repentance and belief. And we've got to realize that this is day to day. This is not once a week thing. This is day to day. Every day, every person we talk to, encourage them. Repent and believe. And you'll be able to do so much more than I've been able to do. Because you'll add to the tree that we're all on. So, look, I want to leave y'all with that in mind. That we're all a part of the same body of Christ. And the only way we add to that body is by sharing the message the same way Peter did. Is that when there's a question about our faith, or there's a question about what we're doing... We lead it into repentance and belief. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Look, I love y'all. I can't wait to talk to you next month. Have a great day. And God bless. If you've enjoyed this content, please visit my website, www.brotherjamesparty.com to view and listen to more content that I've been able to put out. You can also subscribe to the website there and receive updates as new material comes out. And also, you can either go to patreon.com slash brotherjamespardee, or you can click the Patreon button at the bottom of the welcome page, 
and you would be helping me out into bringing you further, better, more in-depth content. I would greatly appreciate it. Love you guys. Thanks so much.